I can imagine we got a lot of new friends in the room. Easter was great, yeah? Yeah, yeah, you can clap for that. Um, it's exciting to see, you know, more people join us. And th I think that was our biggest gathering yet uh, in the last two years. So that's super exciting. If you are relatively new, I do want to strongly encourage you to uh, fill out that Connect card. We want to get you on the community update list because there's a lot of stuff happening. I think you got that vibe when Adrian was talking. We've got a lot of connectional events coming up this spring, this summer. We're going to turn the corner and really work on uh, going a little bit deeper. we got some midweek class opportunities coming up. There's just a lot. Right, And we'd love for you to get involved, get to know some of the people in the community. Uh, the easiest way to do that is to either sign up for the community update, which you do on the Connect card, uh, or um, and download the app. we got an app. Um, we got an app for that. Uh, lots of great, helpful information. So you watch it online. That goes out to you, too. So this morning, I, I know we were supposed to start a brand new series uh, on the book of Philippians, but I decided to pivot. I'm allowed to do that every now and then, right? We're going to kick that off next week, I promise. Today, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to have a little bit of fun. I know this past Friday was, was Earth Day, right? Y'all were, were aware of that. Uh, Earth Day is meant to be a time of the year where we actually focus on uh, conservation, on environmental stewardship, taking care of the planet. Now, unfortunately, that conversation has been hijacked by partisan politics. Uh, and so I can imagine that a lot of us in this room have some strong differing opinions on how important that is. I was going to say, that's a bummer. Right? It's a bummer. Um, but you know, Earth Day is also meant to be a time in which we just celebrate how amazing this place is, right? How incredible this planet is, the one that we call home. And regardless on, you know, which side of the aisle you sit, I think we all can admit that that's true, right? Recognize that, man, the Earth we live on, it's, it's beautiful. And so I thought it could be kind of fun to have a conversation about, about living with this awareness, right? About how amazing uh, the Earth is and specifically the role that that can play in our faith practice, in our spirituality, with our life, with God. So can I pray for us? And then we'll, we'll kind of get into it, right? Ah, God, we just stop for a second and catch our breath. Man, we just we want, we want to be people who are awake. Because it's real easy to fall asleep. It's real easy to grow bored and stale. We don't want to do that because we believe that at its core, life is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift from you, directly from you. And what we do with that life is our gift back to you. And so we want to be people who don't waste what we've been given. We want to live alert and wide awake to that. So speak to us this morning, something new, something fresh. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. also want to let you know you're not going to have to listen to me the whole time today. That's exciting, right? You know, I'm not going to just talk too much, all right? I got a special guest coming up here in a little bit. It's a bit of an expert in all of this, all right? But let me set things up for us. I read from the psalm, Psalm 19. I love how that psalm begins. It begins by saying, the heavens declare the glory of God. Everybody say glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I love this word for glory. You've heard me talk about it before. In the Hebrew, it's this word kavod, not kamod. It's close, but kavod. The root, I love that you laugh at my jokes. It's just really nice of you. The root of this word, it, it, it means weighty. It was first a business term. And it was uh, originally used to talk about something that was quality, something that was expensive. Right? Something that required a lot of resources. But it's, it's since come to mean 
something more like importance or significance. Kavod is something that matters. And here's what I know. You already know the glory of God. You know it. Whether you would call it that or not, you know the glory of God. It's something you're familiar with. It's that thing that we experience in those moments when you're aware that there's way more going on than you previously realized. Glory of God. That, it's one of those moments when, when the hair on the back of your neck stands up or the hair on your arms. You know what I'm talking about? It's those kind of moments where you're like, whoa. You realize there's way more going on. Glory of God are those moments in which we feel sort of plugged in, right, tuned in to sort of the, the bigger meaning behind it all. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, the glory of God hits us in those big over-the-top moments, like, you know, when a child is born, right? Or, or those moments when that moment, hopefully not moments, but that moment when you, when you know that you know that you know you want to spend the rest of, life, rest of your life with that other person, right? You, you know that moment. But the glory of God can also sneak up on us in like little moments, smaller ones, or quiet moments. Like, you know, when you're in somebody's kitchen, surrounded by old friends. Like it always, we always end up in the kitchen. Anybody else? When you're all kind of hanging out? You're in the kitchen, people sitting on the counters, you're telling stories from, you know, long ago, and you're all laughing, like the kind of laughing to get your throat sore. You know what I'm talking about? You just kind of have that so rich, right? You feel that. You know what that is? That's the glory of God. Whether you call it that or not, it's what it is. You're rubbing up against the sort of bigger thing behind it all, right? That's the glory of God. And what's interesting about the Psalms, you know, according to the psalmist, the heavens, right, the sky above us, the world around us, nature itself is really good at connecting us with the kavod of God, the glory of God. Like when I was in college, some friends took us up to um, Pretty Place in the upstate. They didn't put a lot of thought in that name, did they? It's like, what do you want to call it? It was a pretty, pretty place, right? What it lacks in creativity, it makes up for in beauty. Have you all been up there before? Make some noise if you've been to pretty place. It's unreal. I mean, it's, it's basically a wedding chapel on the side of a mountain, right? It's like straight out of a romance novel. I mean, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. And I, I remember, you know, when we, when we were walking up to the chapel, I'd never been there before. And if you don't know me very well, I tend to be pretty loud, which is kind of how I am, right? Make a lot of noise. And I'm walking up to the chapel, and I realized, like, everybody in the chapel is whispering. There's like 30 people in the chapel, and they're all, they're all whispering. And I'm like, what's going on? Is there a wedding? Like, why? I'm being loud about it. Why is everybody whispering, right? Like, what's going on? There's, there's no wedding, right? There's, there's no sign posted, right? I'm like, what, what is this? And, and I turn and I look, and I see why everybody's whispering. I see the view. We got a picture of that? Look at this. Yeah. We even got another one. We got another picture? I'm like, oh, yeah. I get it now. Yeah. It's like we were all afraid that if... If we, if we said anything too loud, we, like, scared the view away, you know? It's like you're looking at a deer or something, right? There was just this feeling. Again, there was no sign telling me to whisper. There's nobody walking around shushing us. You know what it was? Reverence. There's something about seeing that, being in the presence of it, what it does to you. It wells up. and There's reverence there. You know what that is? That's the glory of God. That's kavod. That's what you're experiencing in those moments, and I would argue that central to life, central to a healthy spirituality, to a faith practice, is staying tuned into that. It's what I like to call the the woe or the wow, right? Y'all say wow, because woe woe can go either ways, right? Like woe is just like whoa, or it can be like whoa, right? But but wow wow is pretty clear. Wow is like wow, right? Wow. 
In the opening chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and y'all just, you got to know something about me. We're only going to go so many weeks before I go back to Genesis 1. I got to. Or, or, or either that, that or the Sermon on the Mount. You, kinda, you guys kind of have that, right? It's like we might go three weeks before. I'm going to talk about them, okay? Because just they're, they're amazing. Genesis 1 is a creation poem, and it's unreal. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. But if you read through this, you notice that as God is sort of speaking everything into existence, he keeps calling it something. What does God call it? He calls it good, right? He creates the, you know, the lights in the sky. It's like, it's good, right? He creates vegetation, and he calls it good. And at the very end, he wraps it all up, and he's very good. This word for good in the Hebrew, it's, it's not like God is calling creation morally good. He's not saying it's well-behaved, right? When he's calling it good, like, oh, you're good. You're not bad. You're good. You're well No. And he's not saying it's useful either. Right, that it's useful, that it's practical. No, this word, it's, it, it, it refers to aesthetics. The word for good can also mean beautiful or captivating. I mean, just think about that. I love to think it's God looking at what he's bringing about, what he's creating, going, whoa, whoa. Like, have you seen, have you seen this? Like, that, that, that's how God would be if you're talking. Like, God's like, look, have you, have you seen this? Like, have you seen, like, think about that. He's the one making it. Right? He's creating it, and he's still being moved by it. Like, like, not just up here, but like deep in God's core. God is going, wow, have you seen this thing? I mean, it's beautiful. That's something to think about, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Like, actually to reflect on that. And the all-powerful creator God who brought all of this into existence is moved by it, is captivated. What does that mean? It means all sorts of things. One of the things it tells me is that there's more to life than the practical. There's more to life than just producing and consuming. There's more to life than just using things. There's a real, real depth to just simply being moved, to being inspired. Like that's at the core of, of who God is. I mean, if God is in the business of looking around going, whoa, shouldn't we be doing that too? Shouldn't that be a, a part of our life, our faith practice, what we see from God is this unquenchable, childlike fascination with the world. I, I love how G.K. Chesterton talks about this. He's one of my favorites. He, he's way back in the early 1900s, but the dude was before his time. He wrote this book called Orthodoxy, and it is just, it's a fun read. But he talks about how kids, you know, like, like when you have a kid and you do something that they like. Like I remember picking up my girls when they were younger by, by the wrists, you know, and you'd swing them around, right? And then you'd put them down, and what would they say to you? Do it again, right? Do it again. Do it again. Like you pick them up, you throw them in the pool, right? You like you launch them like 20 feet in the air. As soon as they smack the water, they pop right up. What do they say? Do it again, right? And how many times do they say do it again? Until you're exhausted and you don't want to do it anymore. They'll keep do it again. Do it again. It never gets old, right? Do it again. I love G.K. Chester said that's what God's like with the world. Here's what he says. I love this. He says, it is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It's this picture of a God who has this childlike fascination with the world. But he goes on to say this. This is the part that kind of stings a little bit. He said, God has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Basically, we get old. We get bored. We lose sight of how amazing this place is, how incredible it all is. That's the hardest part, isn't it? 
The hardest part is to hang on to that. It's easy for us in the midst of our to-do lists and our deadlines and our obligations and all these things we can get so, it's hard to hold on to the woe, isn't it? Or the wow. <laughs> it's really hard. Well, you're, you're all in luck because today I'm going to invite my good friend who I consider to be an expert in all things wow. Mr. Jay Keck's going to come up and join us and he's going to talk a bit more about this and leave us with some ways in which we can stay sort of tuned into it all. So while Jay's up, coming up, I want you to just watch this, all right? Check this out. was probably a couple years ago, but uh, I just want to share something with y'all. Uh, the first time I ever did any public speaking was about three years ago, and I, uh, I was teaching, well, I was practicing so much in the house, I was even practicing saying my own name. I was saying, hey, my name is Jay Keck, <laughs> and uh, my son at the time was there with me, and he was like three or four years old, and he started walking around, his name's Haynes, and he started walking around the house saying, hello, my name is Jay Keck. <laughs> I love it. Well, this is Jay Keck, everybody. Y'all say, hey, Jay. So why don't you just get a start, introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about what you do and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, so, again, my name is Jay Keck. Um, I work for the South Carolina Wildlife Federation. I used to be in insurance. I used to settle insurance claims. Any uh, claims reps out there, you know, holler. Yeah, what's up? Uh, for 10 years, and I sold insurance and all that good stuff, and uh, I was born and raised in South Carolina, uh, born in Lexington Medical Center. I uh, grew up on the south side of Lake Murray, grew up hunting and fishing. Uh, I was always outside. My dad did a really good job keeping me outside, played a lot of sports, played a lot of baseball, um, went to College of Charleston, hung out at the coast all the time, and uh, met a young woman uh, in 2002, 2003-ish. Uh, and that woman's right there. Ended up marrying her. We've known each other for 18 years now, I think. She's got a name, right? Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> we just call her woman. Thank no, you. No, we don't. You don't call <laughs> her. You don't call her woman. No. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she was getting a little homesick. What 2007 ish, 2008? We lived in Columbia, and uh, we moved up to Pittsburgh. That's where she's from. And uh, so we were up there, and our son was born in, in 2010. And uh, probably around 2011, we had a great garden. It doesn't get 98 degrees up there for 18 days in a row. So I could grow tomatoes like nobody's business, uh, cantaloupe, beets, whatever. And uh, so one day I was sitting out in the garden and uh, talking to a buddy of mine, Corey Price from Batesburg Leesville, um, over the phone. And uh, this bird fl flew in front of me. And uh, I said, oh, my gosh, Corey, this bird looked like it was on fire. And he said, hey, man, are you mentally okay right now? And I was like, yes, I'm totally fine. I got so excited. Uh, and I just couldn't believe something that beautiful was in front of me in Pittsburgh flying over my vegetable garden. And, uh, you know, again, played a lot of baseball. Um, and I could probably tell you every single person on the Baltimore Orioles team back in the mid-'90s especially, but never gave it you know, one thought about the mascot being an actual animal that we have in the United States. But it, but it is. It comes from the tropics. It winters uh, on the coast here. But, um, and that's uh, the bird that's on the, I guess, y'all's bottom right. right? Okay. 
And so uh, a couple weeks later, I was uh, settling an injury claim, just having a blast doing that. And uh, that, bird, that bird on the top left that y'all saw, which is all blue, it looks like a, a sapphire, right? They're, they're, all, they're all, you know, these beautiful jewels that are in trees. Uh, that bird's an indigo bunting. I saw that, and I was north of Pittsburgh, and I pulled over. I pulled my car to the side and just stopped and stared at this bird because it was just uh, so, so pretty. And so I Googled everything, you know, uh, blue birds in, in, you know, the United States or Pittsburgh, and uh, that came up, and it kind of made me upset because I had spent 32 or 33 years of my life not paying attention. Even though I was a hunter and a fisherman and I was always outside, you know, I had my blinders on. I was always focused on the species, you know, which I was, I was trying to, to harvest, right? Um, but this opened me up to the, to the world in a, in a broader um, way. And, uh, you know, I, I learned about, now we, we learn about, you know, caterpillars and moths and butterflies and native plants and how they all, you know, are, work together to, to be this beautiful, you know, um, thing that we have on planet Earth that, that's free for us if, if you just go out and search for it. So, like, what do you do now? Tell me a bit about that. Uh, so, with SCWF, South Carolina Wildlife Federation, I teach bird classes. Um, and this comes from somebody, uh, about 20 years ago, I was riding down uh, Bennett's Point Road going out towards the coast, and back then it was all about boat rides and hanging out around the campfire, and uh, we were riding down the 16-mile road from 17 to, to the, this point, and uh, there was a group of people that were looking out uh, in the marsh, and my buddy's dad was driving, I was like, what are those people doing? He said, oh, they're looking at birds. I said, why in the world would you want to do that? I teach bird classes now, okay? <laughs> So I'm not trying to convince y'all, like, birds are awesome, but there's something on this planet, I guarantee you, my, my wife calls it a JCAT guarantee, uh, but I do guarantee you that there's something on our Earth. Our Earth is huge, and it's amazing. That is for you. It might not be birds. It might be, but it might not be until 20 years from now. Uh, so I teach bird classes. I go to big corporations, uh, convince them to give us money because we're nonprofit. And um, they do something on their property for wildlife, and they also uh, uh, teach in their community. You know, get local schools to either build boxes, and they, you know, install the boxes. So, um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, a couple yeah. things. From insurance to educator for SC, that's pretty sweet. Absolutely. Well, so we're talking about the wow. We're talking about the glory of God and sort of the role that nature can play and, and sort of waking us up to that. So can you talk to us about that? Like, how has nature helped you stay sort of tuned in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was 20 years old, so again, went to the College of Charleston. Some reason I chose Spanish as my major. Uh, yeah. Um, but, it, it, but it was great. It got me to Spain, and I lived there for, uh, <laughs> I lived there for a semester. And while I was there, we, you know, we took a Eurorail, Eurorail pass and, and just went around Europe, and uh, we went to Amsterdam. And I remember going to Van Gogh Museum, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been to it, but it's an amazing museum. And I saw this painting, uh, you know, uh, from Van Gogh, of course. And it was a it was a lark. I think they call it lark in a field. All right. And I just stared at it, and you could almost see, you know, the the impressionism, you know, that that technique, um, you know, it was really cool to me uh, visually. And uh, you could almost see, you know, the the grass blowing in the wind. Um, you can almost see, you know, how he painted it that that bird flying. In that, in that painting, and it was just really amazing. And I was like, man, how cool would it be to live in that painting, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, I'll relate this in a second, but um, you know, fast forward how, however many years, I'm living in Pittsburgh, and again, remember, I'm a, I'm a hunter too, um, and I was, I was hunting with my father-in-law over here, 
and uh, a buddy of his, a buddy of ours, Matt Ewig, and uh, man, the, it was springtime in, in Pennsylvania. There are birds everywhere. The songs are just going bananas, and I was just getting into it. I was fresh. I was addicted, uh, or the beginning of my addiction to, to birds, right? And so uh, the, the turkeys were way off in the distance, and we were like, all right, we got to move. And so I said, all right, y'all two go that way, and I'm going to go over here. And I don't think I've ever told Jeff this, but my intention was to bird the entire time, not turkey hunt. <laughs> so I sent him and Matt this way, and I was like, just in case that those turkeys come out over here, I'm going to be ready. Uh-uh. I had, a, I had a, uh, a, a suit on called like a ghillie suit. It makes me look like a bush. And if y'all think hunters are tough, like just imagine a, a hunter going into his closet being like, yeah, I'm going to like dress like a shrub today, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to look like a gardenia. <laughs> so anyways, I was looking like a gardenia under this tree. And while they were, you know, a couple hundred yards away from me, I had an eastern toey right above my head. I was just being still, you know, in this field, but I was, uh, my back was against a tree. And this eastern toey, it sings, drink your tea. And it's, uh, this isn't a class on bird songs, but that's what we'll they do say. Do that again. What's this Drink song? your tea. <laughs> <laughs> so today so, they're going to be outside and they're going to hear that. It's a gorgeous, yeah, that. you might hear that. So it's a gorgeous bird. It's a sparrow. It's in decline, like most of the, the, the birds are. Um, but while I was sitting there, these yellow warblers, which come up here from the tropics, were just, just right by me. Because, again, I was still, I was camouflaged. I looked like a bush, right? Um, these hummingbirds were feeding on flowers right in front of me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm living in the Van Gogh painting right now. And uh, it was the closest, <laughs> it was the closest time, uh, or the closest I've ever been to heaven, you know, on, on earth to me. Yeah. Besides my wedding day. <laughs> Good answer. But, but you, know, you, know, you know what I mean. I was thinking about that, and I was like, is that going to rub the wrong way? But uh, no, like, I was, I, was, I was living in that painting. Think about the paintings that y'all have ever seen. Like, I know y'all have stared at them, and you, your imagination starts going. And that's, you know, when I was in Amsterdam looking at that painting, that's, that's what my mind was doing. And then I was living in it while I was, you know, turkey hunting, but not, but not really. It was, it was like here. here. It was like here. Right. I love that. And it was not now, so I already went Genesis. Now I'm going to do Sermon on the Mount. Um, but I love it. When Jesus is talking about worry and anxiety, guess what he points our attention to? Not some Van Gogh painting in a museum, but what the painting's of. So look at the birds. Look at the birds in the air. Like look at the flowers of the field. Like he points our attention not to some big overwhelm, but the things that are around us all the time that we're often not even noticing. You know, and I, that's what I hear. I love listening to Jay celebrate, you know, how amazing this place is because that's what he's doing. Like, it's all right here. And so one of the cool things is you get to see other people do this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, our friends Kathy and Tanya from the church, I don't, I don't think they're here today. But if you haven't met them, meet them. They're, they're fantastic. And, uh, you know, right, right when COVID started, um, you know, everybody was trying to figure out what to do. And uh, I I've never gone on an owl prowl before. Um, I've heard owls, especially when I'm hunting, but, um, I was like, you know, it's time to take my, uh, oldest son at least, uh, on an owl prowl. So, uh, I, I know Kathy and Tanya found out that I'm into birds. And so, uh, I invited them to go on an owl prowl with me on the south side of Lake Murray on some game management land out there. And, uh, so I have a, this big red light so it doesn't harm the, the, the animal's, uh, eyes, you know, at, uh, during, during the nighttime. And uh, so we're out there, you know, we're hearing great horned owls, and they say, who's asleep? Me, too. And uh, so we're, we're listening to great horned owls. Wait, do it again, do it again. Who's asleep? Me, too. One more time. Who's asleep? Me, too. Drink your tea. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I'm outside right now. Um, 
So while we were out there, uh, you know, just a, kind of a side story on that, we look up. You know, it's just a, this wonderful night. There's just four, four, yeah, four weird people just walking around with a red flashlight on this game management land. It's probably six, seven hundred acres. And uh, all of a sudden, we look up, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what's that? And uh, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. Is it a satellite? Is it a plane? It was the, it was the space station. And I didn't even really, I've never thought to look, look for it before. But, you know, while we're out there birding, we get to see the space station. And I can't remember how fast, you know, you start looking at things after, you know, you, you see something like that. And I was researching, I think it moves at like 12,000 miles an hour. Like, think about that. It's, it's just an insane speed, and we're learning all, all that. And when you ever stop to, to consider, space. we have a, like, building floating around the planet yeah. that people are living in. Like, do you ever just stop and th- that's amazing. Like, it's happening right now. <laughs> right. It's crazy. So, so it's, it, again, it's not, it's not just about the birds or the butterflies or the caterpillars or whatever. You know, it, it connects you to all sorts of things. Um, and think about flight, even. Think about some of the technologies that come from ideas that we've gotten from nature. You know, flight did come from ideas, you know, men or, you know, men and women, you know, back in the, back, back in the day wanting to fly because they saw birds do it. Mm-hmm. Research it. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, so, anyhow, we, were, we, were, we finally found some barred owls, and they go, who cooks for you? Who cooks for y'all? You can uh, do better than that. Come on. Who cooks for you? Who cooks for y'all? I don't know. So anyhow, we're, we're seeing these two birds, and they are at the end of our walk. They are literally flying over our two trucks. And uh, so I have the red flashlight on them, and my, my son, he was probably nine years old at that time, is just going bananas. Kathy and uh, Tanya are just having a good time, but Tanya especially was just going nuts. And I was watching her, and I was getting chills watching her because at that time, COVID didn't exist in her brain. Like every, every stress, whether she, you know, she and Kathy were, were getting into it at some point, work was hard, you know, the COVID obviously was insanely stressful, especially at the beginning. Like all that was forgotten because of these two birds that were, that were singing the song that I just, you know, said earlier, they were doing something called caterwauling, just making all sorts of weird noises. And I was just watching her watch the birds. And I do that now, because I've seen most of the birds that are here. Uh, but now I watch the people go, well, they do. Like, I've, I've seen the one guy go, whoa, whenever he saw a prothonotary warbler, which is, they call it a swamp canary. It's beautiful yellow and beautiful black eyes. And I've seen somebody go, what is that? And I was like, oh, that's a blue grosbeak. She was like, what's it doing here? I said, it breeds here. You know? Yeah, it's been here for how long? Millions of years, probably. Of years. Maybe, maybe, maybe a million years, maybe a couple million years, maybe 750,000 years. Yeah, it's incredible. It's a t- long time. Well, you, I love you talking even about the connection with nature and memories. Yeah. yeah. So, so one of my one of my favorite things it, for me is just you smell something and it brings you back to when you were three or four or five, whatever. It reminds you of family. And uh, I was for some of my talks or a lot of my talks, I play sounds because it's fun and uh, it really can help you find you know the birds. So I was getting ready for this one presentation. And I played a song because I was recording it on my computer. And my wife was working. She works out of the house, too. And she was like, hey, what, what sound was that? I said, oh, that's the wood thrush. She was like, oh, my gosh, that reminds me of New Hampshire. Because they have a lake house. Her Nana and Poppy have a lake house up there. And it's a gorgeous lake. Um, and just that one sound. She's not a bird person. She's not a, a weird person like I am. She's a normal person. She's a pharmaceutical rep. And she's the, the reason I get to do what I do, actually. Um, so so it, 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 
Because <laughs> working for a nonprofit doesn't got, really pay too that. many bills. I love it. She got that. That was good. But uh, so she, she heard that sound, and it immediately transported her to New Hampshire. You know, it, it, it made her think of her nana and poppy, who are now passed away. So every time, you know, she hears that, think about what the memories that come up. It makes her think of her 1,800 cousins that she has because they also spent time up there in New Hampshire. Um, it makes her think, of, her think about, you know, Turtle Cove, where she and her sisters and her dad used to go catch turtles. In those mm-hmm. memories, they're forever young. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a really powerful it's a really powerful memory that's brought on by something from nature, which is a wood thrush, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so think about how mm-hmm. you know, I want to encourage y'all to get out there because, it's, again, it's not seeing, oh, there's a pretty blue bird. It's more than that, and I, I want y'all to kind of explore that. I can't make you do it. It, it comes, you know, at your time. Remember, I'm the one that said who would want to look at birds. Yep. I think about locusts. Like, it's not locusts or cicadas. What are those? Cicadas. Cic- it's a bad, locusts isn't a good Those are bad things. Bad things. Cicadas. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like that. In the summer, in the evening, I instantly, I'm nine years old when I hear that. Because I remember staying outside, right, back when you could do that. I don't know when we did that. <laughs> like, riding my bike, you know, we'd live, we all, our, our neighborhood was around, it was a developing neighborhood in Indianapolis, and it was surrounded by cornfields, you know. And so we'd spend all of our time running through the cornfields or in the tree lines. And I just remember, every time I hear that in the summer, I'm instantly nine years old again. And it's just like, it does something to you. You know, like, it really does. It brings something back. That I think you you let go of as you get older, you forget about, right? And so it's just, it's all around us. Like it's just it's incredible incredible gift. So what do you want to do right now? You want to blow our minds a little bit? I mean, you, you know a lot about what, what yeah. we're kind of around. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, just so impress us. So uh, I'll start with uh, something that happens, you know, in a distant uh, land. Um, but uh, you know, I don't. Y'all probably watch BBC. I've seen all those great uh, nature shows on TV, especially the ones that like Sir David Attenborough or, or Pierce Brosnan, you know, narrate. And uh, you know, they, those guys Do have birds that have voice. British accents. Is it like what? who cooked for you? No, <laughs> no, that was no. not funny. Do not laugh. Let at me that. Uh, let me take this part. Dang Nick. it. Okay. Um, so anyhow, Stupid. you know, you, 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 they've got those great those great voices, and uh, you know, those are the guys that. You know, they could see a, a, a pickle or something and be like, look at that pickle. And you'd be like, oh, my gosh, that it's pickle is pickle. amazing. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's the, the power of their voices, you know. So anyways, they were talking about this uh, event that happens in Africa on the Sahara Desert. Um, and it blows, dust blows, millions of, of tons, okay, thousands and millions of tons of dust blows from the Sahara Desert across the Atlantic and then lands in South America, Amazon, Amazon Basin. And it's, uh, it's made out of microorganisms that are phosphorus-rich, and it helps the Amazon uh, and, the, and the life there. Isn't, isn't that kind of a crazy? I think it's about a 1,600, 2,000-mile journey of this dust blowing across the Atlantic, falling into the Amazon. And y'all, th- if, you, if you don't know how rich in biodiversity the Amazon is, just Google it, and you'll see some amazing things. Some of that is there uh, in part because of these microorganisms that are dust particles now that mm. blow over from the, the Sahara. Of the plant, and you can see crazy. satellite Im- images of the dust. They, we, we have them now, um, and, and, they're, and they're beautiful. It's amazing. So that's, that, I don't know. That's, it's dust. Yeah, it's dust. What but, else you got? Uh, you know, locally in South Carolina, <laughs> um, you know, you have a bird called a painted bunting. Uh, they breed here in South Carolina. I, again, born and raised in South Carolina, had no idea that this bird even existed. Um, and it's not, you know, the fault of the teachers. I think they had the curriculum and they needed to stick to it. 
Um, but no parent, no friend, no anybody ever told me that this bird existed. And I think it's because they had no idea it, it existed. And I think it's a shame. This bird is in decline. Um, it's actually so pretty that it gets caught in the, in the uh, black market trade, you know. Um, uh, not, not in this country so much, hopefully. Um, but it's, uh, it's got four colors, blue, red, yellow, and green. And it, and it breeds right here. In, in Mexico, they call it uh, the, the bird siete colores, which means seven colors. I only see four. That might be the tequila or something. I don't know, but that it's, a, it's a gorgeous bird. If you've seen the lorikeets in the zoo, they're the same color as, as a bird that we have here in South Carolina. So if you, if you don't know about it, how are you even going to care about it? You know, so uh, that's one that's, that's, that's absolutely gorgeous. They breed in Lexington County, y'all. Uh, not where I am um, it, on the north side of uh, Lake Murray, but where a lot of y'all are maybe on the south side of Lake Murray, they actually breed in y'all's uh, backyards, or maybe. Um, rough green snake is another one that's absolutely stunning. My wife, so I had a Baltimore Oriole that changed my life. My wife, who again is the normal one, she had a snake about four years ago that changed her life, and it's a rough green snake. And this snake is, it looks like a green vine. And it actually, if, if, if you find it in a tree uh, and the wind blows, it'll actually pretend to blow in the wind uh, for camouflage, right? If I'm a hungry bird and I see that snake, you know, I want a, I want a little snack. I want a snake snack. Okay. Um, yeah, and, uh, if, but if I pretend I'm a, I'm a vine, you know, so just, a, just something here that's, that's just kind of amazing that, that one of our local, you know, snakes uh, do. Hummingbirds. Who has a hummingbird feeder up? Y'all put them up. It's, a, it's, amazing, uh, it's amazing to see. Um, but they can see in ultraviolet, uh, the ultraviolet spectrum. Uh, the, the red part on a hummingbird is called a gorget, all right? And so if I'm a male and I've got that beautiful red gorget, what I do is I fly like in a U formation, right? Right in front of a female, and I want that sun to be hitting my gorget. You, baby, and that, you. And that, female, and that female is looking at my gorget. She's looking at it in ultraviolet, and she's like, whoa. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or wow. So, uh, you know, just watch those little things. You know, just don't watch them. High don't school guys, give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> give it a shot. Just do this. Yeah. Well, I think gorget comes from uh, something in the medi medieval times. I think it was something that uh, maybe just a soldier used to wear back yeah. in the day. But, in but anyways, uh, that's what they call the, the red throat of a uh, ruby-throated hummingbird and other hummingbirds around. Uh, they, How fast is it? Do you say the uh, yeah, so the wings beat about 53 times per second. Hold on. And so everybody stand up right now. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, whenever you're home so you won't be embarrassed, you know, see how many times you can flap your arms in a second. 53 times a second. That's not even the fastest hummingbird, you know, uh, the, the wing beat. Unreal. It's unreal. Unreal. Yeah. I want to make sure we got a few minutes left. Um, I can imagine some of us in this room, we, we probably would describe ourselves as a little bored, stuck in a rut. It's easy, isn't it? Just to kind of like, you get so locked into all the things you have to do and you lose touch with this, right? So like, I'm just curious, like we don't have to be a SCWF, you know, educator to stay connected to this. What are some just easy ideas, things we can do to help kind of reconnect yeah. to how amazing all this is? Uh, would you mind putting that picture of the uh, pelicans up real fast? Um, and before I talk about connection, you know, just, just real quick. This is, we have a photo contest each year, and uh, a woman named Teresa Kopeck uh, took that picture. Obviously, it, you know, it's down at the coast, I think, Hunting, Hunting Island. Um, and it makes me think, you know, I was thinking about that picture because it is so amazing. It's so beautiful. But take those birds out. 
um, and you still have a pretty picture, but you don't feel the, the life that those birds add to, to that scene. So when we're talking about, you know, things in South Carolina, when we're talking about the wild, experience that life that is all around us, you know, just not to quote the song that, that y'all heard at the beginning, um, but life is all around us and it, and it comforts us. It comforts me, you know, um, some of the, my favorite times being out in the woods is just watching a blue gray gnat catcher or a pine warbler, you know, picking up, um, you know, materials for, for the nest. Uh, there, there's comfort in it. Um, there's community in it somehow, you know, it just makes me feel good. So, you know, think about that picture again, take those pelicans out and you still have a pretty picture, but it, that picture doesn't, you know, have life in it um, or as much at least. So uh, go out there and, and connect with that life. And, and I swear it's, it's going to be good for you so, somehow. Um, but, but how do we connect? Um, you know, so there's this, there's this quote by a fella. He's a Senegalese forester. His name's Baba Diem. I don't know if I'm Baba. pronouncing that, but that's how I say it, yeah. uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he says, in the end, we'll conserve only what we love, we'll love only what we understand, and we'll understand only what we are taught. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't believe in a quote more than that. And I found that quote about two years ago, and on every single presentation, I, I have it there. And it speaks to, if you don't know it exists, you know, how, how are you going to care for it? Think about, think about you, you know, your, your, your partner, your wife, your husband. Um, think about how, why you care for them, because you know them. You know, even if things get rough, <laughs> you know, you're going to fight through it. Okay? Um, if you get to know the planet, uh, you're going to fight for it. Okay, and it, and it needs us. It needs every single one of us. Um, but but besides that, you know, doing it for the planet and connecting with it, you know, I, I can, again, guarantee y'all that it'll do something for y'all, too. Um, and I encourage y'all to do that. Yep. I think, you know, you guys actually create opportunities, though. I mean, so you lead you lead walks, you have classes. I mean, if somebody's interested in getting kind of plugged into that, what, what do they do? Yeah, so, so we do, I teach a lot of classes, but we also have other, other uh, teachers uh, all around the state. We're going to have classes in the mountains this, this spring. Uh, we already have a lot of classes already booked up. Um, you know, go, go kayaking. I think you said something about mm -hmm. going out on the Saluda River. If you haven't gone on the Saluda River yet in a canoe or a kayak, do it. It's absolutely fantastic. Go, go you know, uh, kayaking through Sparkleberry Swamp. They have uh, trips uh, at the Congaree National Park that you can take. Um, the mountains are absolutely stunning. Mm -hmm. You know, well, we were out up there uh, at, um, what were, where were we at? Caesar's yeah, Head. yeah, Caesar's Head. Caesar's and, um, you know, it was kind of funny because you mentioned that uh, the other day uh, about people whispering. And without even, you know, that was before we even heard Nick talk about that. Everybody was whispering, and we saw this beautiful sunset over the, over the mountains. That's in Brevard. It's two hours away. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's places all around our state to, to go, but there's organizations like us um, spread out all throughout our state. But um, if, if looking at, a, a, you know, nature or a sunset isn't for you, go mountain biking, okay? Do something outside. Go bungee jumping. I don't care what it is, but learn about learn about the area that you're you're in. Learn about that gorge that you're you're kayaking down or you're bungee jumping over. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like there's something interesting there that'll connect you to the planet. Because again, we 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 need you to connect to the planet so you care for it. Yep. Okay. Um, but there's all sorts of things to do. Well, and this is like it's a real thing. Like, um, and there's more and more research coming out. I mean, mountains of research coming out about how unhealthy it is for us to be so disconnected from nature. I mean, they're using this phrase now for kids, calling it nature deficit disorder, because they spend all their time inside staring at a screen. And 
this has all sorts of implications, has all sorts of impact. We talk about mental health, you know, and the mental health crisis. Don't pretend this doesn't have something to do with it. Like, yes, there's, we're all about talking about mental health, but I mean, they, they found that they, they show people pictures of like urban settings, you know, you're, whether you're in it or you're just a city, right? Concrete. You're looking at that image and they study the brain and the part of your brain that is about problem solving and eliminating threats, the part of the brain that creates worry and anxiety, it fires up when you're in that setting. You show people an image of a, of a rule, like get, get them out in the nature, right? That part of the brain quiets down and the part of the brain that's about connection and empathy, uh, that one lights up. So there's real physical implications from us um, not being connected to nature. You yeah. know, and they've, yeah. they've found it's as simple as being outside for 20 minutes, at least 20 minutes, right? So if you're out there for five minutes, it doesn't count. It's got to be 20 minutes or longer. That can have significant impact on your stress, um, on, your, on your health. And what's sad is that can be rare for people nowadays. Yeah. I mean, you can go a week. Yeah. And, mo and more and more studies are coming out showing the benefits of, of being, you know, out, out in nature. Um, even they, There's even studies that show people with a view out of their hospital uh, room heal faster than people that don't have a view uh, of, of nature. Um, but, you know, thinking about connecting to the to the plant again, you know, uh, my in-laws, whenever they used to come up to South Carolina when they still lived in, in Pittsburgh, um, I used to clean up our road, all the litter around it, because it embarrassed me. Um, I remember my, my Jeff, my father-in-law, saying, like, he was like, why do you all have so much litter around? That's embarrassing. Um, they live in South Carolina now. They just did a litter sweep uh, by their neighborhood um, yesterday, and they picked up quite a bit of trash. And he was talking about um, a road that leads from their home to Little Mountain, and it's covered covered with trash. Those are people that don't care. They're, they're not connected to the planet. How can you litter and destroy something that you love? Okay? Um, but we have, like, look at the litter. When y'all go home today, the, the, the road that we just cleaned up about two months ago is already dirty. Again, people don't care. They need to connect. Okay? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, a, that's a world that I have to explain, like, to my, to my two kids, like, this is why it's so dirty. Um, you know, people just don't care. And that's, uh, that's very sad to me. Yeah. Um, if you can stop and take a picture of a beautiful sunset, right, which I think everybody would be like, wow, if you're that kind of person, I think all of us are, you shouldn't be the person throwing trash at your car when you're driving. Those two things just don't make any sense to me, Yeah. right? If you can take a second to appreciate how beautiful this place is, then, then take, make, make some effort to take care of it. It's as simple as that, right? Yeah. And that's something that we're, we want to do. Yes, 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 yeah. No, we want to do more of that. Uh, but, but one last thing, you know, when, when we're thinking about nature connecting, all that good stuff, you know, think about the sky, too. Think about the stars. And, um, you know, we, we hired somebody. He actually is a ranger here, but his name's Justin. I think Justin Johnson. And he's uh, kind of an um, amateur astronomer, I guess. And we took him out on the pontoon boat, uh, I guess, last fall with a few families. And he has this cool thing. They call it a GLT. It's a green laser thingy. And uh, he gets to, I stole that from a movie, but uh, he, gets to, he gets to point at all the constellations, you know, the, what, whatever it, it may be, and he tells the stories of it. You know, so we have, you know, six adults out there, inclu seven including him, and I, I can't remember how many kids we had out there. But it was an amazing night. Afterwards, he has a uh, big telescope, and we're looking at them, and we're just looking at everything. We saw a galaxy that night, another galaxy from our pontoon boat. He knows where it is. He pointed out we were able to see that. We saw the rings on Saturn. Um, and uh, that, that's just something that's accessible to, to y'all, too. You just have to make time for it. 
you know, and, and as amazing as Saturn is, I was imagining myself being on Saturn, looking down at Earth and, and seeing the, the blue and the green and the white clouds. And I was like, holy mackerel, that looks like an awesome planet. I want to go there. But we take it for granted, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you see why we get along? <laughs> we sit, we'll sit around and be like, you know, it's pretty amazing. But conservation is a whole other conversation. It's one we need to have. Um, I think the church has dropped the ball the church in general, you know, and talking about sort of our role in all of this. In Genesis 1, first mandate to human beings, take care of this place. That's what God says. Here's the earth. Do something with it. And I would argue that the majority of the unnecessary suffering in our world is the result of us not living into that, us not taking care of it. And so we do want to have some more intentional conversation around things like conservation. This is not a political issue. It involves politics, but it gets robbed by that. This is a spiritual issue. Right? This is a, a human thing, and it's something that we need to talk about. So we're going to be doing that in the future, and Jay's going to help us with it. But one of the things we're going to do, like right now, we've already done, is we're working on adopting uh, Bush River Road. I don't, uh, just, w- yeah, when you leave, we'll clap for that. <laughs> Some of you all already started. Um, when you leave today, drop, just look. Look. Yeah. We picked up a TV off the side of that, an old TV, like with a tube in it. Things heavy, right? Just sitting on the side of the road. There's, there was a couch there for a while. I mean, you just start looking. It's, it's not acceptable, right? And so we want to, you got you to gotta have four, four cleanups in a year, I think, mm-hmm. to officially be, you know, get a sign and everything. But we're going to need you all for that. If that's something you want to help lead, um, and, and get it, I'd love to hear from you because we, we need like a leadership team on that. So just getting started. <laughs> Anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, you know, I, I was just a... Uh, just imagining, you know, being on the pontoon boat, and uh, if y'all are anything like the, us, one of the best things is a, is a Lake Murray sunrise, or a sunset even better, and uh, you're out there all day with the kids, you know, everybody's uh, kind of cold at that point because you're riding with the sun sundown, you know, going, going down, and everybody's wrapped in towels, and you're holding your kid, and then you see, you see trash out in the lake, okay, then again, you have to explain to your, your kids, you know, what, what the problem is, you know, then I also, you know, have to explain why we don't hear Bob White quail anymore. Uh, we don't hear whippoorwills anymore. It's a, it's a memory that I have growing up on Lake Murray. There used to be three houses in our cove. Now there, there's 19 with giant yards and uh, no habitat for those things that brought me so much joy and actually connect me, you know, to, uh, to, to my parents and, and to growing up on Lake Murray. Um, you know, I have to tell them why they can't see the Milky Way anymore. You know, my dad and I used to <laughs> go out on the dock all the time looking at the Milky Way. I can't do that with my kids right now. And it kind of makes me sad. Um, I remember that, and uh, um, hmm. there's things that we can do, but I, I, and I do tell them that, you know, it's, it's, it's spreading the love um, of this planet that we live on, and so it's not just, you know, everything stinks now, because it doesn't, but um, the, thing, the challenges that we do have, we can overcome them, but it takes love, and that's why I'm so happy we have someone like Nick um, that, that can preach on that, and hopefully it makes us better stewards hmm. of, of our earth. I'm going to stop talking. No, it's like, uh, I just want to say, it's caring doesn't make you weak. You know that? Like, caring enough to get moved by it emotionally doesn't make you weak. I know in high school, we get tricked into thinking that. Remember, like, in high school, it's cool to not care. It's cool to, like, sit there like, you just, you just don't care. I just don't care. It's only cool for, like, four years, and then it's really uncool. You know, it's, it's okay to have your heart break for something. It's okay to be passionate about something. In fact, if you're not, I feel sorry for you. Because the world's amazing, right? And it should move us enough to care and to notice it and to appreciate it and, and to actually let it get in, get, on, get in on the inside. 
And I think the world around us is one of the, the greatest gifts we have when it comes to actually knowing God, right? Not just knowing about God, but encountering God, experiencing God. I think one of the, the, the easiest ways to do that is to be outside and to pay attention and to notice, to do what Jesus said. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Like, wake up. It's all around you, right here, right now. Let's be those kind of people, yeah? Can we thank Jay for sharing? Yeah. That's cool. That was awesome. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, mm, thank you. It is good. The kavod is good. And I pray that today, um, as we're doing, doing our things, that we can find some time to get outside um, and to listen. Maybe we'll hear a bird talking about tea or something. I don't know. Uh, but help, help, Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And make us people who have the courage to care. Have the courage to let things get in on the inside of us. Um, and keep us vulnerable to that. Thank you for Jay. Uh, sort of who he is, how you put him together. Thank you for what you're using him to do. Um, help us to follow his lead. Love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Jay. Yeah, church, thanks for coming. Uh, if you'd like to get connected, don't, don't forget to fill out a Connect card. If you want to contribute to what God is doing here, you can do that on your way out or by scanning the QR code. Uh, thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.